This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the Liverpool.com podcast. I'm your host Mo Stewart and I'm joined by Ben Bokchak and James Martin. And I have to say, ready or not, 22-23 has already begun. As we speak and sit here, Liverpool players have already started their pre-season training at the AXA Centre. Looking forward to a full pre-season campaign. There's going to be five fixtures in total and they're going to head off to South Asia to play against Manchester United and Crystal Palace in Thailand and Singapore, respectively. And there's also the small matter of the Community Shield against Manchester City. So we're going to be looking at the pre-season plans and working out exactly what it's going to mean for the season ahead and who may well be wanting to put their hand up in particular in this period. But as you all know, there's something else has happened in recent weeks. A certain Mr. Mo Salah signed his new contract and there's been a development in terms of his international career. So we're going to touch on that before the end of the show. But Ben, I'll start with you. Um, We've seen pretty much every season we talk about how much importance Klopp places on pre-season planning For a lot of the time, he's been very reluctant to go too far away from England, normally going to Austria or the south of France for a training camp or sometimes to America. This is our first visit to this part of the world since 2015. And obviously for the fans who live there, it's a great thing to see their stars up close and personal. But in terms of how Klopp likes to do things, does it kind of present what we call like a necessary risk? I don't think so. I mean... I think Liverpool have still gone to America and stuff, which is sort of similar distance under Klopp. And uh, really the only reason why we haven't seen him do that is because of coronavirus in the past couple of mm-hmm. years. So um, it'll, it'll only be for a short while anyway. So I think it, it, as much as like maybe Klopp is not the greatest fan of, of doing it that way, um, the fact that it will give Liverpool exposure and uh, a lot of opportunity to connect with the fans worldwide and uh, sort of um, expand the brand as well uh, from the marketing aspect. Uh, I think that sort of cancels out any risk or any negative impact because it it is a good opportunity and uh, financially as well, I think it will be rewarding for Liverpool. Oh, for sure, it would be financially rewarding. And as we said, for those fans, I mean, it's been a long time. Liverpool has taken on a lot of changes since 2015. I mean, for starters, they saw Brendan Rodgers rather than Jurgen Klopp. So I think if you're if you're a Thai fan, the first chance to get to see Jurgen Klopp in the flesh is probably worth it regardless. But Ben makes a good point there, James. It is a truncated preseason, so they're not going to be there for too long. So it's probably not going to be too damaging. But... In terms of the actual end of last season, there wasn't an international tournament, but there was Nations League games for some of these players. So do you expect to see maybe some of them coming back a little bit later because of those extra games? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the plan, a sort of staggered return based on, like you say, involvement in those those Nations League games. It, it's not ideal for anyone, but it, it always seems to be the case that some players have slightly longer seasons than others. Um I don't recall a pre-season where everyone's come back at once and it's been nice and clean. So much as I wish those Nations League games hadn't taken place, there's always going to be something. Um, so, yeah, I think we will see them coming back in in dribs and drabs. But, um, yeah, hopefully not too long before before we see everyone back in contention. Yeah, um, we could do a separate show on those Nations League games. And I dare say we may well do at some point in the future. 
Um, one of the games in Southeast Asia, Ben, is against Manchester United. Now, we don't know what kind of Manchester United are going to be there. We don't know which of the Manchester United players are going to be there. But we had some fun against them last season. We need to carry that on, don't we? Exactly, yeah. I think uh, it's a good opportunity to put on a bit of a show for Liverpool's fans in, in that region and uh, get one over your rivals. Uh, you know, it's Liverpool's first game in pre-season. Like you said, we don't really know who's going to be featuring because of the Nations League games. We don't know if um, those play- all of those players who were involved in those games will be back. Uh, I know it, it is like a difficult time as well to come back uh, having, you know, had such a little short break like you guys said as well uh, but uh, you know with, with Manchester United uh, they're still going to be going through a bit of a transition period it's going to be Ten Hag's first game so he'll be very keen to make his mark uh, and I think it's all set up for uh, even though it's a, it's a friendly game it, it's uh, it's going to be one that is like almost the perfect way to return for Liverpool and to uh, being finally back in action and uh, unlike those games in America uh, this mm-hmm. one Liverpool fans will be able to catch here in Europe as well whereas uh, some of those American games I think uh, I remember maybe the 2019 preseason when they were at like 1, 1 2am and uh, kind of impossible to watch if, if you want to have a normal routine anyway uh, here in Europe so it, this one is at least going to be accessible for everyone and uh, I think it's it's got the script for a perfect game. Yeah, it was I worth mean, for that Shakiri bicycle kick though, wasn't it? I was just going to say, you know <laughs> what, those of us who stuck it out, we were rewarded. And <laughs> to be honest, I've kind of let go of the idea of a new normal routine at any point. So I, I'll probably be watching, uh, just like I'm sure everyone else will. Now, it's interesting we talk about the idea of the rivalry with Manchester United and how that kind of endures through every single thing the two clubs kind of compete with, James. I'll come to you on this one. The last two games of pre-season, traditionally for the last couple of years now, Klopp's played two games back-to-back, almost as a way of getting everybody a start. Almost even, you could say, trying to iron out some kinks for the first starting eleven of the Premier League season. Now, this season, one of those two games just happens to be the Community Shield against Manchester City. Now, that makes it a little bit more of an interesting decision because say what you will against Manchester City or the, the importance of the Community Shield, Manchester City are the team we will be going up against for everything we do. So do you think that may come into his thinking more with the lineups? He might be less inclined to kind of split some of the better players, the first teamers across the two two formats. I mean, yeah, potentially. It, it's still a friendly at the end of the day. It's not like it's going to suddenly become imbibed with massive amounts of significance. But yeah, any chance to to test the Liverpool team out against, you know, the, the team that's bound to be their biggest rival for the season to come is going to be embraced. It, it's closer to the start of the season, so the intensity will be ratcheted up compared to that Man United game, for example. So it, it'll be a good test of where the team's at. I, I don't think it, what's what's at stake will be necessarily playing on, on the players' minds, but just the chance to kind of use that test as effectively as possible. So I, I do think Klopp will go go strong but not out of a desire necessarily to to win the silverware although it would be nice but just out of a desire to to get properly set up for the the season to come i mean there's a difference between you know counting the community shield as a trophy as pep guardiola often does 
and having the enjoyment of watching your rivals clap you while you're lifting a trophy and celebrating. That's really the psychological edge that we're looking for here, isn't it, Ben? Yeah, but I, I, I'm not. I won't be too concerned if Liverpool lose as well. Like <laughs> at, at the end of the day, it is just a community shield, and I think uh, Liverpool. I, I don't think Liverpool have won since they've uh, been in it with Klopp. Mm-hmm. So um, I won't be too concerned either way. I think um, every single time they lost, uh, we've had a pretty successful season, except maybe for uh, the one that Liverpool lost against Arsenal most recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, where obviously. Uh, coronavirus and uh, a whole host of in- injuries at centre back kind of played a role in Liverpool not having their, their successful campaign. But other than that, I'm, I'm, I don't really have too much concern. I think Liverpool lost to City um, in the year that they won the league. Um, so yeah, it, it, it I don't think it will have uh, a huge psychological impact on the players. And uh, I think they will take it as just a pre-season game, as mm-hmm. a sort of preparation to test themselves against uh, a, a really tough opponent at the end of the day in Manchester City, one of the best sides in the world. Um, and I think that's how Klopp will look at it as well. Mm. That's an interesting point. I think Klopp will be trying to sell it as a block of two games, won't he? So... James in particular, you won't want players who've maybe disappointed, they didn't make the first team for the Manchester City game, but maybe a star against Strasbourg, to give them that uh, impetus that they can still force their way into the first team for the game against Fulham the week after. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see where we stand in terms of who's knocking on the door as pre-season progresses. But, you know, the, the score depth is possibly not quite as astounding as it was last season but it's right up there it's not like we've had a ton of departures and we've had a couple of incomings as well of course so yeah there's there's definitely 22 very capable players in, in the Liverpool squad so um, yeah whichever 11 don't make it for City still have a chance to to you know one one final opportunity to get themselves in, in Klopp's thoughts of course you know one final game before the season ends isn't before the season starts I should say isn't going to completely changed Klopp's mind. He'll have formed ideas before those two fixtures. But yeah, psychologically, it's always nice to to leave that impression right before the, the campaign proper gets underway. Um, so yeah, hopefully that should um, should, should sort of negate any any uh, disappointment of, of missing out on, on the Community Shield team. I, I hope so. Although I think we're going to have a, a squad of players more than ever before who are going to be targeting this pre-season as a way to kind of reshuffle the pack, I think, Ben. I look at some of the players, particularly in central defence and central midfield areas, there's a few guys who are going to be hoping that they can use this period to maybe, as I say, reset the pecking orders to a certain extent. I think particularly Joe Gomez immediately comes to mind, simply because we've seen him do it before. I remember uh, the 2018-19 season where Liverpool won the Champions League. Joel Matip gets an assist in the final. Everyone assumes he's going to start the next season, but no, it's Gomez playing alongside Van Dijk against Norwich City. So he'll be remembering those moments and he will be attacking this preseason with bigger, won't he? Absolutely. I think everyone will be who is in kind of the same boat as Gomez, uh, the likes of Jones, Elliot, Kawhi also coming in. Uh, I think everyone will be eager to impress um, and, and catch the eye. I think even Chamberlain could have a uh, an outside chance of, you know, I remember last season when he played in the force number nine, maybe 
uh, Klopp won't be as adventurous with him this time around, but he will have an opportunity, I think, to catch the eye, uh, particularly because he is one of those players like Gomez who wasn't involved in the Nations League games. So they'll be expected to return before um, some of their positional rivals. Um, obviously, I think Van Dijk will be probably a little late because he was involved with um, the Dutch squad. Uh, that gives Gomez another opportunity. Konate as well. He was involved with France in the Nations League games, which was a pretty forgettable, I think, period for France in the Nations League. But um, yeah, I think uh, in, in terms of that, I mean, Gomez should be first choice potentially in the first game if uh, Van Dijk and uh, Konate are not back or have only had a few days in pre-season but at that point. So um yeah, I think uh, starting against Manchester United, bringing it back into that game, it's going to be a good opportunity for Gomez, uh, potentially playing alongside Matip or mm-hmm. even Vandenberg as well. Could be another option for that game. Um, it'll be a good opportunity for him to catch the eye. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I spoke on the Academy show last week, James, with Matt, where we're talking about the opportunity for the young players coming into uh, pre-season, particularly around, as we were saying, different players coming back at different times. But there's another element to this as well, isn't it? Jurgen Klopp's potential for adventure, as Ben mentioned, in terms of changing formations. We've seen a lot of talk touted around the potential for a new formation with these new players that have come in. If you are going to tinker with those kind of things, it feels like the best time to do it, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, as Ben alluded to with the Oxlade Chamberlain experiment, which to be honest, I'd completely forgotten about until he brought it up. That was strange, wasn't it? Um, yeah, well, it gave us a nice lot to write about last preseason anyway. So I have to thank him for that. But um, yeah, it is definitely the time to to make these experiments. The way some people are talking about it, you'd think Klopp has come out and said, I'm going to play the 4 2 3 1. It just seems to be accepted that that's what's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether that thought's even crossed his mind or whether whether we're all barking up the wrong tree. I'm mm-hmm. sure we'll find out fairly quickly in pre-season. But um, I, I do think, I mean, I can see why everyone's saying it. It does seem like it makes a lot of sense. I don't think it will be a change in formation. I think it'll be an addition of, of an extra possibility. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, pre-season will be the, the time where we, we get to see that trialled, uh, which, is, which is exciting. Um, like you say personnel wise maybe less important you know it's it's good for for the younger players to get some experience in and around the first team but but really it, it it'll be the system that's that's being drilled as much as as much as the personnel so yeah that, that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on I think so as well and sometimes another thing I like about preseason is you can see almost unlikely partnerships springing up between play new players I remember when uh, Naby Keita's first um, pre-season where he seems to strike up a really good partnership with Daniel Sturridge and it looked like we were going to be able to see him more and more in the game. Unfortunately, it didn't pan out that way. But I look at the likes of uh, maybe Diogo Jota and Darwin Nunez, thinking about the way Jota played with Raul Jimenez back in Wolves. That's these kind of things that we maybe didn't initially think about, but through the different formations and the different teams we see in pre-season, something like that may come up then. Yeah, absolutely. I think Diaz and uh, Nunes as well. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by how that partnership is going to uh, pan out because uh, if you look at sort of Nunes' heat map from last season and his previous campaigns, he does tend to lift, sort of drift towards the left. Mm-hmm. And obviously Diaz is someone who likes to sometimes drift 
in the opposite direction towards the center of the park. So it's going to be interesting how that how they interchange if it is a four three three, and how Salah plays into that as well. I think uh, you know you mentioned Jota with Jimenez. I think one of Salah's best seasons was with Edin Dzeko at Roma uh, before he arrived at Liverpool. Of course, he's had. <laughs> Far better seasons at Liverpool, but before um, his uh, sort of career at Liverpool, one of his best seasons uh, outside of that was at Roma, playing alongside Dzeko, who's maybe you know not as um, quick, or definitely not as similar to Nunes, but in terms of his uh, physicality, his height, and his hold-up ability, he does. There, there are there are shades of. Nunez in him and um, mm-hmm. I think uh, especially in the front three which is where Liverpool have seen the biggest change of all uh, this summer that is going to be fascinating to see how they sort of evolve and uh, gel together and I think that's going to be Klopp's call as well to, to get the best out of the front three as quickly as possible so they're ready for the new season and uh, yeah it's going to be interesting and, and of course Elliot and Cavallo as well, they've played together at Fulham. I, I wonder if we're going to see them playing together. Uh, if it is a 4-2-3-1, obviously, it, it does feel like maybe it will only be one of uh, them playing at the same time. But who knows, Cavallo uh, can also play on the left and Elliot can play centrally. So uh, I wonder if we see a bit of a link-up between them as well. Mm. That would be very, very tantalising. I think the the young guns in tandem together, that'll be something to look forward to for many, many years to come. Now, you mentioned Salah, almost contractually obligated to do so. So it feels like we should talk about him now. There was some news in his world that broke yesterday, which is probably going to cause quite a bit more eye-rolling and sighing amongst Liverpool fans. Um, The next AFCON has been moved from the end of next season to January, February of the season after, so January to February 2024. Unfortunately, in the Ivory Coast, the weather reports are mass flooding during that summer, so it's kind of unfortunate, but it's unavoidable in that respect. But there has been the questioning once again raised of will this affect Mo Salah's uh, international intentions? The question of his future with the Egyptian national team has been raised quite a few times over the last few years, particularly some of the hassles that he's had to go fight through to get there, and obviously the disappointments, James. Um, It was almost like it was setting up perfectly for this last AFCON and maybe the Olympics after to be his international swan song. But considering the effect the mid-season AFCON had on him and the season just gone, do you see a world where Liverpool may try to convince him to to maybe look at ending his career with them a little earlier than he'd have liked? Yeah, I mean, since they've, they've moved AFCON from January, it seems like it's still being played in January almost every every edition since, um, which is somewhat irritating yeah, from a Liverpool perspective. But um, to be honest, like, like you say, it's unavoidable. And, and to be honest, I can't see Liverpool actively persuading a player to, to retire early from international duty. Mm. I think the club respects the fact that it's a personal decision. When a player does make that decision, there's, there's no hiding from the fact that it can benefit the club. I mean, the fact that Joel Matip's had no involvement with Cameroon for so long has definitely helped him. It probably was a factor in the in the in the fact that he managed to string together that injury-free campaign last season. Uh, James Milner, of course, famous for his longevity, uh, but he retired from England duty quite early on. I think sort of around 31, 30, 31, that kind of age, um, which I'm sure has helped prolong his career at the very top flight, uh, at the very top level. So 
yeah, there would be advantages if Salah decided to call it a day early, but I think Liverpool will be resigned to the fact yeah. that he probably won't do that. He's He's got personal goals. He, he wants to win something major with Egypt, which is, which is, you know, fair enough. Um, and, you know, he, he still had a phenomenal personal season for Liverpool mm. last year, despite AFCON. Of course, he slowed down after January, which, you know, we can't we can't avoid the fact that going to extra time about four times with Egypt probably played a part in that. But um, it's just one of those things that Liverpool have to accept. Mm. Um, yeah, they'd wish the tournament wasn't in January, but it is. And I think they'll just get on with it. Yeah, um, Mo Salah doesn't really sound like a quitter or hasn't been a quitter at any point during his career and particularly quitter without winning something first. So I feel like although it might have been an easier thing for us to deal with if he had retired, Ben, I don't think that's happening either. One thing I would say, though, to mitigate what happened last time, Liverpool are generally in a better position to deal with it simply because it's now only Salah, not Salah and Mane, but also... Diaz is around, Nunes is around. Um, so does this mean that in order for Salah to fulfil all of those international ambitions, he may have to deal with playing a little bit less for Liverpool in the interim period between before or after than he would like? I mean, I think it's only natural. He is getting older and uh, his body won't be able to take as, as big of a load as, as before. Uh, like you said, I don't see any chances of him uh, quitting uh, his international football. I think we, we saw with Manny when he won the African Cup of Nations uh, earlier this year, he said that was a, his biggest trophy. And uh, I think people in this country t- tend to forget how big international football is just because I don't think England gets people inspired as much as uh, other people's countries. But uh, uh, I, I do think it is just one of the, I think for players who, maybe play outside of England, it's still the biggest honour to represent your country and uh, they take it very seriously. And I think Salah is is in that boat. He's the captain of his country. And um, I think that's why it was so mentally draining for him as well. I think it wasn't even necessarily the physical aspects of it. Obviously, he played a lot of games, but losing that final and then losing out in the World Cup, it seemed to have a sort of mental toll on him as well rather than the physical uh, aspects, which obviously when, once you're mentally not 100%, then obviously those physical um, sort of um, tolls are going to take um, and it, uh, make an impact as well. And I think it's only natural given his age and where he is at his career and where Liverpool are in terms of their evolution in attack that Salah is going to feature less uh, um, heading into his later years, and uh, you know, thankfully that Afcon for, for for Liverpool from Liverpool's perspective is still a bit further away. They don't they won't have to worry about it next season. Um, so they'll have time to prepare, and who knows, potentially even bring in another attacker in that period. That's a good point, actually. I think by that time we will already be looking towards the post salary era. Unfortunately. It has to happen at some point. But I flagged up the Olympics there, James, and it is an important point to remember because we had to persuade him not to feature in the last Olympics. And I don't think that we can justifiably do it twice. So he will be very much keen to do that. And, and that's the summer after 
the uh, the uh, AFCON tournament. So when you look at the last first six months or seven months or so of 2024, they look like they're going to be very busy for Salah. So it's almost inevitable he's going to have to take some time out. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Liverpool handle that because they have tended to take slightly more of a hard line on the Olympics just because they can make the case to players a bit more like you know it's only the Olympics. Mm. You know, f- football is it holds a bit of a weird place in the Olympics. No one really seems to treat it as as that big a deal. Um, it's quite Apart fun. Who is it? Well, true. Yeah, it's quite fun because they have the uh, the under twenty three rule, don't they? And then you can pick sort of three overage players. It's it's quite a neat little concept, but it's it's no more than just vaguely entertaining. It, it's not the pinnacle of anyone's careers, really. But mm. yeah, Salah will be looking at it particularly if he hasn't won the the preceding Afcon, and and, and he'll be targeting it as you know this will this will probably be my Egypt swan song. Um, and like you say, it might be hard for Liverpool to to make the case to him again that he, he can't go. Um, so yeah, that it'll, if that is the case, it'll definitely have a knock on effect in terms of in terms of the workload he can take on for the rest of the season. But you know, this is so far down the line, as Ben points out. We don't know who will be through the door by then. There there could well be other attackers. Meanwhile, the likes of Nunes, the likes of Carvalho, will have settled in, will have become established, hopefully. Who knows where Jota's progression will be by then? But essentially, there'll be there'll be plenty of other options, hopefully, to to lift that burden, and uh, and Liverpool will be a better place to deal with it than than perhaps they were when when Salah went off last, well, this January, but the January just gone, whatever you want to call that. Well, before all of that happens, as you rightly say, we've got a whole season of fit, firing, and determined Mo Salah to look forward to. So we'll put a pin in that one for now. Uh, guys, thank you for running through the show with me. It's been very enjoyable. I found myself actually looking forward to preseason games, which isn't something I normally say. That's the same for you. You know where to find them. We will be keeping you updated with every single Liverpool match between now and the start of the season. So keep an eye out for that as well. For now, goodbye. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.